Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are broadcasting live, both on the internet and on WLEAAM. Look forward to all of our listeners up in Hornell, New York. All the manufacturers who were tuned in, they're going to hear from Tim Fiore and Anthony Nieves from the Institute for Supply Management, as Lou Weiss and I speak with them about their semi-annual forecast, an important piece of documentation to give manufacturers kind of an outlook what might be happening or what's most likely to happen in 2023. So gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. Take it away. Tim, why don't we start with you, and then I'm going to let you kind of quarterback this between you and Anthony, and uh, we'll walk through this report kind of piece by piece. Okay, sounds good. So I have some uh, some kind of opening comments. It's, they're really my summaries of the different elements and the data that we got in, in the uh, the forecast. I love this forecast, by the way, because it, it really is able to ground us as to what happened in 2022. We do ask some questions related to what do we think we actually saw in 2022, but probably more importantly, we also ask the questions about what do you think is going to happen in 2023? And in many of the cases, we split it up in between the first half and the second half. And I think that that whole split has been very enlightening this time around. You know, I think the, the the summary on this whole thing is that there's a lot of uncertainty, but the manufacturing community believes essentially that we're going to be stable 22 to 23. Uh, you know, if you look at the outlook number, the outlook number came in at a 50, which compared to you know the second half of 2022, what does your outlook for 2023 look like? The number came in at 50. Wow. Okay. All right. I had a bunch of questions this morning, Tony and I did, about, all right, what do you think the uh, interest rates and stuff are going to do, or does your panel really reflect that? And and my answer on that was, it's the process of deduction. I think based on the the positive nature of this forecast for 2023, the manufacturing community does not expect a fall off the cliff rate hike, because if it did, the numbers would be a lot worse. All right, so let me kind of give you some summary notes here. and then we could talk a little bit. I'll, I'll let me do a summary, and, and uh, Anthony's got a summary too. Before we get into the detail, you know, I break this thing up into the business comparison, the manufacturing perspective, and then the global perspective. But I'm I'm just going to give you some top level comments here. So you know, the businesses can absolutely believe that we continue to grow as we go into half one of 2023, but they're going to be at weaker rates uh, than they were going into 2022 as the manufacturing community really thinks that this is probably going to be the slowest manufacturing year since the pandemic. And if, if you recall, uh, actually in 2019, second half of 2019, we were, we were in a manufacturing contraction, uh, just like we are right now. You know, we're, the PMI number for uh, November was contracting. And uh, it, you know, I've, I've been predicting 48 to 52. We'll see what December looks like, but we've, we've broken that 50 line. And you know, at, at the end of 2019, before anybody even knew about the pandemic, we were contracting too. So, but this is the weakest growth since then. We we believe that the second half of 2023 is going to be stronger than the first half of 2023. Uh, and and the reason we believe that is uh, there's indications from the prices number that they will stabilize in the first half, uh, and then employment will probably grow in the second half. And uh, let me expand on that. Uh, interestingly enough, the employment numbers in 2022, although they grew, and we'll talk about the overall growth year over year, by far the majority of that growth happened in the first half. Uh, if you look at the forecast, the second half of 2022 indicates that we only grew 0.8%, 80 basis points in employment levels in the second half of 2022. And I think for the full year, I think the number was 2.8 or something. We'll get into the detail. But it really supports the fact that We've been saying now for about four months that companies are starting to freeze and attrit their hiring. And then in the month of November, we had a clear indication that more companies are starting layoffs as 14% of the employment comments were around layoffs. And that was a fir- up, up from 6 4% the prior month and 2% the month before that. So this kind of indicates that that whole employment, labor, hiring is going to continue to be slow in the first half of, of next year because- the number for employment for 2023 is pretty strong at the end of 2023. So, okay, enough of that. Uh, revenue growth is going to slow 
to the lowest level since the pandemic. So we're going to come in at 5.5% for 2023. That's a prediction, but that is the lowest number since the end of 2020. So, okay, but still, that's a good number. And it's very similar to the CPI, which, uh, you know, where the CPI is kind of running now, you know, the core. So interestingly, because every company, in order to not shrink, has to expand their revenue equal to CPI every year. Most of the companies that I ever worked for, when we started the business plans in the summer, okay, what's the CPI going to be for next year? And that's that's the hurdle you have to meet just to stay kind of constant. So, you know, we've come in, I think, 5.5 or 5.4. We'll talk more about the number later. As I said, most of the employment gains uh, for 2022 occurred in the first half. Second half was very weak. We'll talk more about that. Exports are going to grow at a slower rate in 2023, in the first half of 2023, compared to the first half of 2022. So consistent with the fact that the PMI export number has been contracting for several months, uh, and we've been predicting that it's a headwind, and the currency strength is so strong, there's a feeling that that will continue. It's going to grow in the first half, but uh, but not at the, the level that it was in 2022. So, okay, that's interesting. Imports on a similar profile. So kind of supports the fact that we are slowing down a little bit, you know, because if you figure the first half of 2022 is probably a little bit stronger from an overall standpoint. Okay. Inventory to sales rate uh, is going to continue to grow, but at a much slower rate in 23 compared to 2022, which is good because... We've been spending the better half, the second half of 2022, trying to delete that whole greater supply chain inventory from outstanding purchase order commitments to manufacturing inventory uh, on the books of our panelist companies to our customers' inventory of our product. We've been trying to cut that stuff down now for the better part of six to seven months. And uh, it's kind of showing in what we think is going to happen in 2023. Uh, supply chain issues will continue to resolve in 2023 with the largest gains made in at the end of 2023. So it's, it's as we've been saying in the PMI, there is no longer really a significant issue. Supply chain is not the primary reason for output uh, contraction or, or weak production growth. Uh, and, and that's going to continue. So and it kind of stands to reason. Chip issues are still problems. Electronic components are still problems. But there's a, a real belief that by the time we get into the second half of 23, there should be very few of those problems, which is positive. And you know, another thing out of the special questions thing is, uh, you know, I kind of put this down as a bullet. 42% of our respondents indicated that the companies are reshoring materials from China, 42%. So I should probably caveat that with, okay, the guys that actually have overseas product in China responded, but that, that's a huge number, huge. Wow. Sure, certainly is. Yeah, sure is. Okay, there's a, a bunch of other stuff we could talk about, but that's kind of the headlines. Anthony? On the services side, you know, when we look at the uh, uh, head, uh, headlines of the um, report itself, growth is project projected for 2023. When we look at the revenue increase of 3.1%, that's versus the 2.1% that we had in 2022. We're looking at capital expenditures uh, are projected or predicted to increase 2.8%. Now, what was predicted back in May was 6.2 and what was reported was 6.0, uh, 6%. And I mentioned this earlier today that many of the services companies will look at capital reinvestment when there is slower periods of time. Now, granted, we had, you know, it all it is all reliant on the company cultures and what they have, uh, you know, what they're able to withstand. But think back to, um, and I know this from my own industry that I was in for 25 plus years, when hotels tend to be slow, that's when they start their revitalization projects. They look to do that product enhancement uh, because they need that competitive advantage moving forward with all the product that's in the market. So, Coming into 2022, things were starting to come online with all that pent up demand, but still there were times that they were planning beforehand to uh, have that capital reinvestment. We've seen that with many of the companies across the board. Capacity utilization, we look at this as 89.9. It's down from what was reported in May of, uh, or predicted in May of 91. And that's still very high. I mean, think about anything over, you know, 83 to 85 percent 
you're really operating at efficient levels and you know, 89.9 is still very, very efficient. When we look at um, going into prices and, and I'm giving you the highlights and we can go into more detail as we go on through the report. But we look at prices, we all know, you know, inflation hit hard. Uh, prices increased in 2022, 11%. It was predicted back in May of 9.6%. And what was predicted in December was 9.2. So they're expected to increase by 8.4% in 2023, with the majority of those price increases coming in the first half of the year. Employment or labor and benefit costs are expected to increase 3.5%. Employment is expected to only increase 1%. And it's a combination of things. You know, There are certain industries we know are going through those layoffs and others are still struggling in the services sector to find uh, qualified employees to backfill positions. And we've been talking about that on the monthly uh, reports uh, previously. We look at exports are expected to increase. Not as much export uh, business as you would see on the manufacturing side. It's approximately, you know, it's less than 30, 28 to 30%. Import growth is expect expected in 2023. Revenues are up 2.1% in 2022, and they're expected to rise to 3.1%. The uh, outlook uh, overall for this sector is that not as strong as what we've had in 2022, but still positive. Uh, and with you know, the first half of 2023 uh, being decent, and there's still a lot of uncertainty and confusion uh, from our respondents as it relates to you know, what is it going to, what is all of 2023 going to look like? Uh, I think Tim, uh, made a good point of pointing this out earlier today about how you know there's 12 months it's 365 days to contend with and that um, overall we're not seeing uh, there's uncertainty but not this deep-rooted concern that you know things are going to fall off the cliff from what we've been hearing from uh, various economists out there so we can get into all the details of the report uh, but i'll turn it back over to tim Tim, quick question for you uh, before we go on to another section. Uh, manufacturing utilization at 88.4% is excellent. Seems to me wonderfully high when the, the whole world is talking about a recession. You would not be talking about capacity utilization at 88.4% or revenues increasing at 55 You're on mute. Okay, Tim. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So that's a good that's a good front end here to the business side of the manufacturing piece. So let me let me kind of point some numbers out as uh, as Tony mentioned. So our twelve month outlook, as I mentioned earlier, is at a fifty. Uh, when we went into twenty twenty two, it was sixty six point two. So clearly, we're not as optimistic about twenty twenty three as we were going into twenty twenty two. There was a whole different environment, right? Supply chain problems, price growth going like crazy, trying to hire people, trying to hire people. We had just seen actually a, a relaxation of trying to hire people, and then Omicron hit. It's you know it's funny how when you take a calendar, lay it out. Twelve months ago, we were in the middle of a pandemic variant, and you know we had just had the uh, additional enhanced unemployment benefits lapse a month and a half, two months earlier. So we were all very optimistic that we we're going to have more people come back, and we did. But then we had sickness like crazy. We had two out of every eight people being homesick. How things changed. But we also knew back, you know, we entered 2022 that that would pass. We were very confident with the amount of vaccines out there that this was just one more event that we had to deal with. And we may have to deal with more of those in 2022, but we still had plenty of stuff to work on. Now we're sitting here with order rates having, having essentially contracted for what, five or six months at least. And we get backlogged now at, uh, at very alarming levels, almost nothing. And, and that's how we entered 2023. But, you know, a 50 is not bad. Okay. So the business comparison. So 47.4 in the first half of 2023 compared to the second half of 23. So it does kind of indicate we're going to see a bit of a contraction. 47.4 is not 42. So it's not 50. You know, so it means we're going to go through a little bit of a patch here in H1. And I think that's kind of consistent with all the numbers that we had. When we entered 2022, we came into the 70. So, you know, clearly... Things have changed uh, fairly dramatically here, but 
you know, it's not like we're batting down the hatches. Let's lay off 10% of the people, slash the capital budgets, uh, you know, dormitize plants. It's not what's happening, which is really interesting. Second half on the business comparison of 57 compared to the first half. So we're going to be expanding again. Uh, 57, you know, I think we're up about 15%, 15, 20% compared to half one. So that's pretty positive. Uh, entering 22, we thought 63 would be the second half of 2022. But that's kind of not pertinent so far behind us. All right, so revenues. We we finished the 2022 year at a 9.3% uh, sales expansion, manufacturing sales expansion compared to December, uh, compared to 2021. We predicted in May, very similar to what uh, Tony's side had done, that we'd be at 9.2. So, wow. I mean, wh whoever saw a forecast be so close? I, I, I don't know. These guys are like Spanguli or something. They... <laughs> they're doing and it's and very similar things here on the prices side I, i'm stunned usually you get six months out from a forecast and it's worthless but in may you know we said we'd be at a 9.2 we ended up at 9.3 really good okay we think we're going to be 5.5 percent up in 2023 so we're still growing and like i said in, the, in my front remarks very similar to the current cpi level but we're not contracting we're not talking one percent here we're growing 5.5 percent in an environment where We've had a pretty good run on manufacturing, 29 months of expansion, one month of contraction here. We think we're still going to grow revenue. And, and the majority of that is not going to come from price, although it's really interesting that uh, when we ask the question, you're able to pass prices through this year compared to the same question asked at the end of last year, more respondents said they could pass price increases through to their customers. And I think that that's actually the truth. And I think it's only been the last two or three months where there's been you know, pushback. Up to that point, it was acceptance. And then on the margin side, uh, you know, we think the first half of 2023 is going to have a margin expansion of around 57. So uh, on, on a diffusion index. And uh, you know, half to 2022, we think we came in at 52. So there's some indications there that we're going to actually expand our margins. That could be because we passed price increases through already. We're going to harvest them in, in half one, and we're not going to see as dramatic of a price growth in half one that we saw uh, you know, primarily in the first half of 2022. But that's the business growth side. That's a, I, you know, I, I put them together with outlook, business comparison, revenues, and margin. To me, that's the, the business elements. The other, we can get into the manufacturing capacity element in a minute. Okay. Anthony, how does yours look in those same areas? Well, <clears throat> You know, we touched on, you know, the capital expenditures, the prices and whatnot. When you look at um, things such as, you know, I touched on the employment as well. When we look at the changes in overall employment, right, we had reported for December a 0.2%, which, again, I think is more attributed to the restricted labor pool than it is to the lack of available jobs and the hiring aspect of this. And again, this sector is very labor intensive. Um, and certain, we know that like in the field of technology information that there's been layoffs. Online distribution, there's been layoffs. However, certain other industries, whether it be a combination in food services, management and company and sports services, they've had difficulty in backfilling and finding suitable workers. I've talked about this on the monthly show. Also, any customer-facing positions have also been difficult to backfill. But again, we're still showing some growth in employment versus having a, um, a contraction there. And when we look at uh, things of, um, you know, going forward as far as <clears throat> business revenues and the services side, when we look at service revenues from 2022 versus 2021, we had uh, back in May of 2022, 2022 was predicted 4.9%. What was reported is 2.1%. So there's been a little bit of fall off. And we know that just from all the pent up demand that we had that the first half of 2022 was definitely, you know, was like the, like the floodgates were opened up. And things were, you know, coming back from not just closures, but even when they opened, there was still limited capacity as to what was going on. And just to note, I mean, that's why we're seeing these layoffs in some of the online distribution companies without naming any names is because during the pandemic, everyone was home and they were doing, you know, left click on their mouse and 
hitting their shopping carts and ordering products. And uh, I think, um, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but uh, the, uh, the Secretary of the Treasury, uh, uh, Janet Yellen, she had said on uh, one of the shows how uh, she felt that some of the inflation was driven by all that demand of consumer products and everything that people spent money on uh, during the pandemic and, and coming out of the pandemic. So uh, consumer confidence, even though it has waned a little bit recently, it was very strong and there was some stimulus money out there and other things. And I know that I was sitting at home myself and you know you get bored uh, after you know I was working, but still I had some downtimes. Like, oh, let me buy this desk. You know, let me buy uh, this new upgraded computer. I went out and bought two motorcycles for crying out loud. It's like you know, <laughs> and so this is what we wound up with, and uh, it's caused some prices. You know, it was we started out and and with uh, inflation. If you think about the inflation component, everyone initially was saying it's transitory. Then it became demand pull. Then it was just now it's like, you know, demand exceeding supply. Um, then were some supply chain bottlenecks, right? We knew that. And we have that in the special questions as well. As well. But think back to in the midst of the pandemic, just in the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach, there were almost 130 container ships just sitting offshore in the queue, right? Trying to get in. And then once they got in, then try to figure out how to get them offloaded and then put into uh, warehousing. Uh, now it's down to under 20 um, in the same in the same area, you know, Port of Long Beach and, and and Los Angeles. So there's been some easing. We still had some other challenges in the supply chain, but that's affected pricing and that's affected you know what we're seeing is some of the higher costs. Um, you know, when we look at these revenues of what was from 2021 to um, 2022, as I mentioned, 2.1%. We're seeing for 23, they're more optimistic going to 3.1 percentage points. You know, looking on to things like uh, profit margins, right? Profit margins, there was this, uh, everyone felt that there was some price gouging going on in certain industries and whatnot. But when we look at what our respondents are telling us here, uh, 43.4% the fusion index, what was reported in 2022. And uh, what we're looking at for, uh, through May of 23 is predicted now is 45.9%. So that's not uh, what we're seeing as uh, extreme profit margins by any stretch. You know, we're looking at 21% uh, for both what was reported and what's predicted are saying it's going to be better um, year over year. And uh, worse, it's 34% versus 30%. And when we look at business comparison, you know, the first half versus the last half of 2022 for the first half, you know, the index is, uh, the fusion index is 55.8, which is, is quite good. I mean, that's better than, than I would have expected. And then when we're looking at the second half, it's going to jump up to a 61.7%. So, you know, the service sector, it's very eclectic. I've mentioned this in the past. You have so many varied industries. These 18 industries range from something I've been trying to sell off to Tim for years is the construction piece. And, uh, you know, we have construction versus um, going into uh, the technology side, the information. We have public administration in there. So it's, it's all over the board. So it's kind of like a diverse portfolio that can weather the storm a little better than uh, more of a segmented type approach uh, when you look at the overall economy. Uh, you, to your point, uh, Anthony, uh, about the uh, LA ports and uh, Long Beach ports, and you know where the, the shipping uh, ships sitting offshore are now down to twenty. Uh, does how much of that has to do with the fact that China uh, is uh, in serious trouble? in terms of their export markets and the fact that the uh, U.S. Uh, steel, particularly steel uh, tariffs have had an impact on that. Does that play a role as far as you're concerned? Well, if you think back, there were more plant closures back then than there are now. I mean, they have that, we know they have that zero uh, tolerance uh, policy. 
but overall we had it was more of a it was a combination of many things i mean yes they had their factory shutdowns over there but still that doesn't uh, how does that impact you know 130 plus container ships sitting out there versus now when things have opened up more and alternate supply routes have been developed as well it's not like we've reshored all this product it may be coming from different countries outside of china but it's still coming into ports uh, yeah, even though uh, even though uh, their exports have uh, really crashed um, as part of the uh, U.S. tariffs against China. Well, I, you know, let me let me kind of jump in on this. I I think it's kind of clear that the demand is not there for it. It's, it's just not there. Otherwise. I'd have massive comments from my panelists on the PMI that indicates I can't get anything from China and I'm, I'm missing my deliveries. And, and right. I, I think some of that is built up inventory, you know, back to Tony's point about, you know, this huge amount of stuff that was at the ports and, you know, buyers will, if they can't get stuff in, they just feed that pipeline. We've been working off that total supply chain inventory now for a better part of eight or nine months. I, I think from the manufacturing standpoint, we pretty much have the, whatever Chinese product we need is uh, because I'd have a lot more, comments about it being a problem for output and it, and it hasn't been mentioned at all since you know first quarter that's a great point tim because um and, and we reported on this in the past on the services side that many of the respondents were doubling and tripling their order quantities because of all the backlog they had previously and then once those orders caught up now we're seeing why inventory month over month is showing contraction territory because they're still trying to burn off a lot of stuff. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's not just PPE. The challenge we're seeing is that there has been certain commodity, line item commodities that are in short supply, but others, there's not a, a challenge with, with the replenishment of it since they had those built up inventories. Yes, Tim, you mentioned early in the show that 42% <clears throat> of your Funds are involved in reshoring, and that certainly is going to shift the needle in China because that's where a lot of that was done. Uh, going forward in this report, what's next that we should delve into? Okay, so let me let me uh, let me catch up with uh, with Tony here on the manufacturing activity. So uh, back to your comment here, Tim. Yeah, you know, eighty-eight point four percent operating rate on manufacturing. Uh, now I've been tracking this thing myself since December of 2016. So I got, what, six years of this? Uh, in December of 2021, we were oper operating at a slightly higher rate, May of 2021 too. Uh, no, December 21. Outside of that, I mean, we, we crashed at 75.9 in May of 2020. So if you go back all the way to the December of 16, this is like number one, number two, high number. Which is pretty incredible. I mean, it's we're operating at pretty high levels, which is, and and it's kind of consistent since we we're able to burn down backlog. Although you got the offset there of not having a lot of orders coming in. So uh, production capacity, we think that we we're we're, we're going to be up five point three percent in twenty twenty three, and we think we went up six point seven percent in twenty twenty two. So those are some pretty strong growth numbers. So if you're trying to grow consistent with CPI, call it five. Actually, in 2022, we actually expanded our capacity, plant, equipment, and people by 6.7%, more, well, maybe not more than the CPI of 2022, but we're going to go up another 5.3, very similar to the CPI level. So, so we're kind of gearing up to be able to support that expansion of revenue without just the price growth, because you know a lot of revenue growth we had in 22 was pure price growth. It wasn't so much output per unit. It was more, a lot of it was price. Remember, we had a ton of, of clients who mentioned that they were able to pass through price increases, which we'll get to here at the end. Uh, CapEx in 2023 will grow 2.6%, a little weak, you know, but we're coming up on a 12% growth for 2022. That's uh, that's a pretty strong number. And uh, if you look at where we were in uh, 2021, 12.1%. So two years, we expanded our capital budget by 25%. That's a huge investment. And so we're going to go up by 2.6% in 2023. You got to look at capital over multi-year. You can't just look at it in one year. But I think it's pretty positive that we're actually going to go up in 2023, given the first half is, is headwinds. And, and normally you would cut your capital budgets to preserve your cash. 
Now we're going to go up 2.6% compared to the 12% we grew in 2022 and the 12% in 2021. So that, that indicates confidence that there's plenty of markets for our panelist companies to, to sell to. That, that to me is a confidence inspiring number. Uh, employment is going to grow at 3.9% for 2023, 3.9%. We, we think we finally grew at 2.8% in 2022. Uh, and this, this was really an, an interesting number to watch. As I mentioned earlier, in the second half of 2022, we asked that question about employment. We only grew 80 basis points. But for the whole year, we grew 2.8, 280 basis points. So, so we grew really in the first half, and then we held, we held firm. You know, we lost people. Some, you know, some of that quits impacted things, and then it transitioned into freezing, and now layoffs. So, but we really think we're going to get back to a three point nine percent in twenty twenty three, and that's the strongest number going back to twenty sixteen, uh, when we entered. Let's see. I think twenty twenty one. We thought we went up three point three percent. That's the next highest number. So, so we're pretty confident here, uh, at least in the second half of twenty twenty three, that we're going to be you know, clamoring for people again, which is real positive. Uh, labor costs are going to grow 5.8%, 58 in 2023. We think they grew 4.7. Uh, well, in 2022, we thought they were going to grow 4.7. We don't ask that number about what you actually saw. We just ask them what they think it's going to be in the, in the, in the next year. So we, we think that we were going to grow 4.7 in 2022. We think we're going to grow 5.8 in 2023. That's inflationary. But that's already cooked in the books. That's done. That's in the business plans, merit programs for 2023, uh, merits that were made at the end of this year that are going to carry over into 2023. So that's pretty much a fixed cost now. The only variable cost is really the, the raw material, semi-finished product costs, which we'll get to now. Okay, so prices for uh, purchased goods, we think will be up 2%. 2% in 2023 compared to the end of 2022. We also think that that number will be 2.5% by the time we hit May. So it's the same profile that we had in 2022, which we're going to see the majority of the price growth in the first half, and we'll see a leveling off and a slight decrease in the second half of the year. And that's kind of where the profitability comes in, I think. So that number is you know really low compared to where we've been uh, as, a, as a, uh, a point of reference in May, let, let's talk about 2022. We thought we'd see an 8.1% increase for 2022. In May, we thought we'd see an 11.1% increase in 2022. And at that point, we thought we were already at 11.4%. And now in December, we're looking back at 2022 and we think we saw an 11.4% price growth compared to 2021. So that's a huge number smaller than 2021's actual. I mean, in 2020, December 2021, we thought 2021 saw 14.5% price growth. So kind of wrap your head around a 25% raw material purchase part price growth since the beginning of 2021. Wrap your head around that. That's, that is just huge. We've yeah, talked yeah. about that all day. <laughs> that's monster i don't think I, i've never thought i'd ever see that in my lifetime i mean i think in my early career when I, I you guys have heard me say this before i was paying 12 or 14 percent for a mortgage interest rate we probably saw that kind of inflation on purchase material costs i do remember my early years as a buyer buying space components i remember justifying price increases because inflation was six or eight percent so if my numbers if my final negotiated settlement was less than six or eight percent, I thought I was doing pretty good. But damn, twenty five percent in two years! Oh my god! And 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 like I said, seventy percent of the respondents said they were able to pass it through in twenty twenty two, and that compares to about sixty percent that said they were passing it through in twenty twenty one. So we were actually able to convince the customers to take more price growth that we were experiencing to maintain profitability. But you know we're we're getting back to more normal times. You guys have heard me talk about this on the PMI calls. I think the the, the post pandemic recovery is done, outside of what's happening here in China, and you know now we're entering a more normal period here where we're looking at a two percent material per, purchase material price growth in 2023. That's that's kind of normal. 
It is interesting before I go to Anthony Nieves again that we do a, a show called the Flagship Report with Dr. Chris Keel, and they have an Armada Strategic Intelligence System, ACES, they call it, and it mirrors exactly what you're talking about in the first half of 2023 and the last half of 2023. Both of them are a reflection of one another, which is encouraging that we're not going to fall off the cliff in the first half of 2023 and have to dig our way out of a valley. So that's good news. Uh, Anthony, what's your report showing? Well, before I forget, I just want to make one comment. <clears throat> you know, uh, Tim mentioned that, uh, you know, passing the price increase with all these raw material cost increase in manufacturing said 72%. And the services uh, respondents only reported 48%. That just speaks to how I have mentioned in the past and earlier how not all of the price uh, components in the supply chain get passed through at, to the to the services companies, especially when it's not all related to tangible goods. But even on the tangible goods side, you get to a point where it's not just uh, passing through the total cost; it's it's what the market will bear as well. But you know we're seeing you know again these very high prices, with with 25% that Tim pointed out. Not all products across the board have gone up 25%. It's just certain products that we see that more uh, volatile than others. You know going back to where I left off about business, I had mentioned that the first half of 23 versus the last half of 22, we had a diffusion index there of 55.8%. And then when you look at it of the uh, second half of 23 versus the first half of 23, it's now the, the uh, diffusion index goes up to 61.7%. So there's a little bit more confidence in that, in that uh, uh, second half uh, versus the first half. So when then you look at the um, overall outlook going forward for the next 12 months, the uh, diffusion index, what was predicted for 2022, and this was what was reported in 21, was 63.3. And uh, predicted for 23, right now we're coming down a bit to 55.6. So it's not um, as robust, but again, it speaks to what we saw with all that pent up demand that we had coming out of the pandemic and we experienced through uh, 2022 and the latter part of 2021 uh, versus looking backwards there. Um, before I get into the special questions, uh, questions before we move on to that or let Tim lead into that, your call. Well, I, I think that uh, Europe should be very jealous of us <laughs> in, in view of where their economic situation is now and, and, and and the war and their inflation, which I, I think uh, Britain, their inflation rate is 11 point something. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's horrible what's going on over there. Yeah, no question. Very tough. When we go into this next section, I just want to share with our viewers and listeners that the Institute for Supply Management, when they do or are preparing their semi-annual forecasts, they ask a series of special questions to their respondents. And those answers are very revealing. And so I'm gonna start with Tim Fiore on the first special question that they have asked respondents. And then you two gentlemen can uh, kind of pass the football back and forth. Tim, what are you finding out from your respondents? Yeah, so let's talk about hiring uh, people. And uh, this is a difficult one because this is almost like a point in time or the, the question is actually designed around since your last report, which is May. So uh, have we had difficulty hiring? Have we not had difficulty hiring? So interesting number here is in December of 2019, 70% said they had difficulty, 23% said they didn't. Uh, now in December of 2022, 77% said that they had difficulty, 21% said that they didn't. So, you know, clearly, and I don't think that's a, that's not a, that's not a November number. That's a through the whole year. So, all right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to say because, you, you know, things have changed in the last three months in the, on the PMI reports. They've clearly changed, but 
No, no doubt. We said we had difficulty. By far, they also they raised wages. Forty five percent plus said we, we you know we increase our wages to compensate. Um, some of them actually said they lowered standards, which <laughs> that's kind of scary. But all right, geez, <laughs> don't don't lower them anymore, please. <laughs> yeah, don't buy that car. Yeah, don't, yeah, I know it. <laughs> but you know, but the bigger story in hiring is really on the on the services side. I mean, that's where you know ninety five percent of the hiring actually happens, and that's that's where the big battles have been taking place. I think. So, Anthony, what are your respondents saying? Well, it, just as what you see on the manufacturing side, when you look at the table. What was reported about, you know, as far as difficulty in hiring, it was 69.4% back in 2019. We didn't measure it in 20 for obvious reasons with the pandemic, but looking at what was reported in December of 21, jumped up to 81%. I mean, that it was, you know, same as what you saw on the manufacturing side. But then when you look at it for what was reported in, in December this month, 84%. So it went from 81 to 84%. And you know, how did they deal with these difficulties? 51% raised wages. You see that so often. I, I can't tell you how often I've seen the personnel change just in thinking about when you dine out in a restaurant, right? The bartenders, the servers, they will jump from one job to the next just because people are paying more. And, and there's such a lack of workers in some of those areas. And granted, think about all the closures that happened with restaurants and still, they're scrambling for workers. And I've said this on the monthly uh, show in the past that some of these more tedious labor intensive jobs, people have switched careers. They've gone into other areas because the demand was such for labor that they were able to command a higher wage. And that's what's reflected here when, you know, in this uh, special question, 51% said we raise wages or other forms of monetary compensation. And when you look at we we weren't able to hire or hire as many workers as they would have liked, that's 32%. How that figures out whether or not they were restricted versus uh, putting caps on on backfilling those positions, you know that remains to be seen. But I would say that the majority across most of the 18 industries in the sector, it was just a matter of not having that labor pool available to them. So, and when you look at uh, you know, the hiring difficulties and 48% uh, um, uh, said they didn't have hiring difficulties. I mean, that's, uh, that's hard. That's hard pressed to believe that. Um, and when you ask, um, you know, and I'll, I'll leave it, I'll turn it back over to Tim for the rest of the uh, special questions. And before we move on, I just want to remind our listeners and viewers that this report is available at ismworld.org. If we don't get through everything because it's quite voluminous, you can get through everything at ismworld.org. Mr. Fiore, what's next up? How, how are we doing for time? Uh, we've got about um, seven, eight minutes. We're in good Okay, good. Okay, so let's talk about... Uh, Topic number four, supply chain issues. I think this is really revealing too. So in December of 2021, we thought the first half of 2022, 48% said that their suppliers are going to deliver worse. 48%. That's you know, we're in the peak of it all, right? Now we're saying that for half two of 2023, only 5% are going to deliver worse. That's a that's a you know really clear shift. And let's go to the other side, the positive side, same or better. So in, in December 2021, 12 months ago, we said that 52% would of our suppliers would be delivering at the same or better rates than where they were in December 2021. Now it's 95%. So like I said, the supply chain issues are pretty much gone as, you know, as, as the primary issue. Matter of fact, when I listen to the, the business news, I don't hear supply chain so much. I feel like I'm getting left out. <laughs> But please, it's, it's one of like those overused terms. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so let's, let's, let's also try to talk about the price pass-through because I think that's very important for the profitable dynamics here in 2023. So we've asked the question now twice in the last 12 months. In December 21, 64% said that they were passing price increases through. Uh, now 72%. That's an eight-point climb. That's pretty, pretty significant. 
But I, I, again, I think that that's more indicative of in 2022. That may not be what's happening in November, December. Anthony, how does it look on the services side? Well, when you look at, you know, when we ask the question, do you anticipate supply chain problems first quarter versus second quarter? And looking down at the table and what was predicted in 21 was for the first quarter was 30.6%. Then it jumped to uh, 43.7 for the second quarter. And now what we're seeing predicted uh, for Q1, 59.9% to 61.6%. So it's an interesting dynamic when you look at it overall, very similar to what you're seeing on the manufacturing side. Again, um, less reliant on, on, on raw materials, but there's still, you know, you think about it, all the components that you see that are purchased by um, supply management professionals in the services side, what domestic production do we really have on some of the components that you see. And again, I go back to the industry I'm most familiar with. All of the things that you see in a hotel, most of that is coming from offshore, uh, whether it be fixtures. Uh, there's, there's domestic mills for carpet and things like that, some for case goods, but much of that is imported. Uh, same thing on the textile side. Some is, there is some domestic production, but compared to what is brought in offshore, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big difference there. So as far as looking at the question about ability to pass price increases uh, to the customer, 48% said yes, 52% no. So that's, that's a, a different kind of split than what you're seeing on the manufacturing side. And again, not as much in tangible goods. You see the tangible goods, of course, in the retail and, and some of the wholesale distribution, but this is mostly uh, um, services cost, which you have a little more leeway than you do when it's tied to an actual uh, commodity. Jim, we probably have for one more special question in uh, this segment, and, I'll, and then I'll let Anthony jump in on that and Lou, and then we'll probably wrap this up. Okay, sounds good. So going back to reshoring and, uh, and offshoring or, or resourcing out of China. So in, in December, 2021, we asked a question about what's your biggest disruption in the supply chain? And 40% of the respondents said it was foreign-based, not just China, foreign. 60% said it was domestic. Now that number is 56% foreign-based, so, which I find really interesting. So you know, we went from a domestic problem now to what you know, is clearly an international problem. And as I mentioned earlier, that reshoring number uh, jumped up to 42% of our clients. I don't, we didn't ask that question last year, unfortunately. So don't have a data point, but but I think this whole thing around and we, and we talked about ocean freight and backlogs on the ports. I mean, you guys saw that thing about solar panels here in Vietnam and China. That was I'm, I'm surprised it took the, the Department of Commerce that long to figure that out. I mean, the whole transshipment thing has been kind of known for a while, and you know this, the solar panel activity coming out of China just found its way through Vietnam, and <laughs> and and the, and the whole issue there is that it's going to stop a bunch of green projects in the U.S. if they really put the tariffs on the solar panels that they should. I don't know. These things are complicated. That's a great point about, you know, you mentioned Vietnam. And, I, and again, I'll think back to case goods manufacturing. And um, we were sourcing a great deal from, from China and Taiwan as well. And uh, if you think about it, and then production moved over to Vietnam and the Philippines. But the question I would always ask people, how much wood, how many trees are actually harvested in China? Okay, not many. Think about it. The wood is shipped into there and it's the production, the manufacturing process is done there, but it's not like they're sourcing the wood. There's not a whole lot, a lot of forest over there in China, you know? So then many of their production facilities are in Shanghai and other areas. And you look and all you see is straight flat land. There's no trees. So where is it coming from, right? It's being sourced from other countries. So to move those supply routes uh, is, is uh, we only offshore that because of the labor component, if you think about it. But anyway, to answer the questions of when you look at uh, uh, offshoring from China, 26% versus the 42% on manufacturing. So there were some... Uh, supply routes already developed. And uh, as far as which suppliers, you know, whether or not they were affected, 49%. And 
and the substitution was at 25%. Lou? Oh, I think we're coming up on the hour. Uh, it's a great, great report. Uh, <clears throat> and it's, it's certainly giving us some great insight into uh, 2023. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to our uh, next monthly report, which will be on uh, January 2, I believe, four. Uh, for manufacturing four. and uh, January uh, six. 4, I believe, for four, four and six. For services. Yes, it's moved back Fourth because of there's a, you know, that holiday with the, uh, with the New Year's Day falling on a, on a weekend. So it's pushed right, back one right. day. So we're, we're looking forward to that uh, as well. And uh, uh, All Metals and Forge Group has uh, been experiencing uh, uh, significant growth uh, this past year. And so we're, we're kind of uh, riding right along with uh, uh, the ISM numbers as we have over the last uh, you know, 30 years or so. So uh, gentlemen, I, I think that this is, uh, uh, a great time to uh, wrap up and wish you good holidays and uh, stay healthy. Uh, Tim? Yeah, uh, Tim Fury, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, appreciate your insight on the manufacturing side. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Thanks, everybody. It's, it's been a great run this year, boy. Challenges ahead of us again. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, right. And Anthony Nieves, we certainly appreciate you sharing with us on the services side. Well, thank you. We appreciate being on the show, as always. And I want to remind all of our listeners for the full report, go to ismworld.org. And while you're out surfing the web, a couple of places we'd like you to stop by. One is jacketmediaco.com, where you'll find all of our other shows that we post on YouTube. On YouTube, we're at Manufacturing Talk Radio. Once again, thanks for being with us on this live broadcast, and we'll be back with you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.